Welcome to Honestly Well. I'm Marissa Fay, holistic and functional nutritionist based out in the wild, wild west, aka Colorado, but working with clients all over the United States um, to improve their health and to feel better truly than they ever have. Um, a lot of folks find me because uh, somebody else, another healthcare professional, hasn't really been listening or paying attention or taking seriously their symptoms, or they just really want to get in the best health of their life. Um, and I use things like functional labs. Yes, I even read traditional blood work. Um, I actually get to know you. <laughs> seriously underlooked when we're talking about uh, or overlooked when we're talking about health and your well-being because it's a lot more than just what you eat and if you exercise. It's way more complicated than that. So I dig in real deep uh, and we become buddies and we collaborate so that you can really heal uh, and live your best life. Hashtag live your best life. Cheesy hashtags all day long. Um, so anyways, welcome to the pod. Uh, today's episode is really about the convergence of two different philosophies and topics, but I think they really go together quite nicely. Um, and that is the idea of intuitive eating and eating with the seasons or eating with the environment. So uh, before we dive in, I just want to remind you, as always, this is not medical advice. I am not a doctor. I do not treat, nor do I prescribe. And you should always talk with your doctor about these kinds of decisions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what I will say to that disclaimer is there's a lot of wisdom out there uh, that we can learn from and that we can expand our horizons. And also that, you know, traditional Healthcare providers also could expand their horizons. And so this podcast is intended for educational purposes. And also, I'm really hoping that it creates a spark for you um, to add somebody in the holistic health field to your to your personal health team if you're able to access those resources. And if not, you know, I have programs you can download that are really economically um, affordable. And I know there are other people who do as well. So there are a lot of different ways that we can access information to improve our health and our well-being. And this is just an encouragement to do that. All right, now on with the show. So this concept of intuitive eating, I'm wondering if it's something that you've heard of. And if you have, I'm wondering what you've heard about it. Because I've been noticing on social media that there's this big influx of, of especially people who identify as women, especially people who appear to be white, and especially people who appear to be honestly a variety of body shapes and sizes. Um, but there's a lot of conversation happening and a lot of folks wanting to use this term, but truly meaning it in different ways. And so I really want to get down down to the basics of what it is, because I think it soundly gives us a place to jump off of to talk of, well, what do you eat and, and what instincts do you follow and how do you know what to eat for you and your body? So first of all, I want to give you the caveat of there is no one diet for 
every single person for every stage and phase of life. So meaning like what age you are and what's happening in your body at that age. For example, the optimal diet for, uh, you know, somebody who's in their teenage years is actually going to be different probably than their optimal diet in their 30s and then their optimal diet in their 60s, right? So life changes. And with that, your body goes through physiological changes, actual shifts in different processes that it's focusing more or less on. And based on that, there are certain nutrients that become more important or perhaps less important or things that uh, processes that need a little bit of extra support um, because they require more nutrients at a certain point in time to do their job. So this idea of diet, which is really just what you eat, folks, like (laughs) there's a whole industry that's really co-opted this word to be like dirty and evil and be about restriction truly if we're boiling it down, but the word diet is literally what you eat, what you consume. Um, And so in this intuitive eating kind of space, a lot of folks have taken it this direction to mean eat what you want, when you want, how you want it, whatever it is. I have a real problem with that mentality And I have an equal problem with folks who are all about extreme restriction um, without that really feeling like it's in alignment with what their body needs, right? Because make no confusion in what I do, we are using diet as, as a healing aid, right? We're using what you do or don't eat as a healing aid just as much as we're using really anything else in your life as a healing aid. And so you might hear me talk a little bit more broadly on this podcast about nourishment, because that's really how I see this this concept. And that's really how I see what I do. I see myself as a nourishment expert uh, around things that, you know, add to your physiological cup, but also, you know, the cup that is your full well-being and things that take away from that cup, okay? So I find this this kind of what's been translated into the now like what sexy and cool interpretation of intuitive eating to be really problematic. And here's why. And first of all, I'll say it's not because I think a certain body type or size or appearance is wrong. I want to tell you that straight up. There is space in this world for every single kind of body, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it can do, right? No matter what its ability level, no matter what its age, right? Then the people attached to the bodies, I sound very detached. I don't mean to. But what I'm trying to say is that there's space in this world for every body, splitting up those words, right? Every body. And with that said, it is a question of access and privilege whether or not you are someone who has the means to make certain kinds of choices that require dollars or require a certain location that you are in order to purchase and utilize foods that may be more supportive of your health. So I want to acknowledge that. And then for the purpose of this particular episode, I want to set that to the side and know that that's something that I am keenly aware of. And I want to draw your attention to that because most likely the folks who are listening to that podcast do not fall into that category. Now you may have months where you're penny pinching a little bit more. You're more concerned about what you're spending in certain areas. And 
just from what I know about my audience, it's likely that you have some amount of access to the resources to purchase or or um, find places where you can get healthy, fresh foods. And so when I say that, what I mean honestly is not even organic or not. It's truly fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, fresh animal proteins, um, things along those lines, okay? So let's let's make the assumption that you have access to those things, right? Those resources to more often than not be able to have some control over what you are purchasing to eat within your homes and for the people that you care about. So if we make that assumption, right, then I would assume that you also have equal access to processed foods, right? And so herein lies the issue I have with this intuitive eating movement as it's been really modernized and and morphed into something else on social media. So their idea is that, you know, part of the reason many of us have uh, or some of us have different mental health issues and body image issues in particular uh, and eating disordered eating issues in particular, although really spans well beyond that to depression, anxiety, um, all kinds of other mental health issues and truly also physiological issues. Um, But part of the hypothesis is that the reason we have some of those issues is because there's so much focus in the media, uh, in our society, in our families, in our communities, in our friend groups. There's so much focus on the size and shape and appearance of your body. And that that has led to demonizing food, right? Like making some foods good and some foods bad and really creating um, an unhealthy relationship with the things that uh, are supposed to nourish us. Now, that concept in and of itself, I totally agree with, but here's here's where it gets off track in my opinion is that some people are taking this concept to mean that you should eat whatever you're craving, when you're craving it, how you're craving it. So that means under that under that umbrella, if you wake up and you crave Cheetos, instead of living a life where maybe before you were listening to this societal messaging and you were watching everything you ate and eating a specific kind of diet that was deemed the thing that would keep you slim and slender and desirable to society, that now you're giving yourself the freedom to eat Cheetos whenever you want. And you happen to always want Cheetos for breakfast. Okay. So here's the issue with that. And don't roll your eyes at me. I'm just going to tell you in advance, right? Keep an open mind here. But processed foods have been created to be addictive, to be things that you crave, um, to be to include substances that that get you hooked, that keep you coming back for more. I mean, everything from literally the sound that it makes in your mouth to the color that it has, to the way that it might stain your fingers, to the balance of salt and sugar, um, to the amount of carbohydrates and fat in something, to its palatability, so the way that it tastes. All of that, right? These processed foods are engineered so that you want it, you like it, and you keep coming back for more. 
And it so happens that many of these compounds that they put in or these they add to these foods in even moderate quantities can be incredibly detrimental to your health. We're talking well-researched outcomes where some of these compounds impact in the near term, things like your body's ability to detoxify, which it needs to do every single day. Uh, welcome to the purpose of your liver uh, and also other detoxification pathways like uh, your gut, so bowel movements, like urination, kidneys are associated with that, like your skin. We'll have another episode talking about that because that is a real passion of mine, talking about detox pathways and how to encourage that. But uh, detoxification, right, has to happen every day. Documentation that these compounds in these foods impact that. Uh, hormone disruption, so documentation that these different compounds can disturb your body's natural rhythms and abilities to create, utilize, uh, and also dispose of hormones as it needs. Um, it can interfere with other processes really important for your body, such as uh, inhibiting the absorption of certain things that you might eat around the same time that may be really beneficial for your health that you need to absorb nutrients from. Um, so there is a long list of ways that this can impact your health in the near term, eating these types of processed foods. In the long term, we do see and suspect that there really is a connection with name any disease that people are dying from, <laughs> truly, heart disease, cancers. Um, I really can't think of any disease that we couldn't find some linkage to this, this perhaps making worse. Now, this is not to say processed food alone is responsible for all disease. Uh, because it's not. However, it likely feeds the mechanisms of disease if it is not something that's directly related to it. And so what that should be signaling to you now is just how important your diet really can be to your health. And I'm not saying that to try and make you feel guilty or pressure you. I am saying that because I think part of what's missing from this current conversation of intuitive eating is literally tapping into your body without distraction, right? Or with minimal distraction to explore what it really needs. And here's where there's a huge, huge issue. We, if you go, if you've been educated, right? Even just K through 12. So kindergarten through 12th grade, you have learned a lot of things that are probably useless, frankly, to your health and well-being. You likely have not learned how to speak the language of your body. And it is really unfortunate. And it is something that I have been a part of trying to change in small ways in communities that I work with and schools that I work with. Uh, and jobs that I've had that do that work. And it's not enough. Like I'll be fully transparent. And so part of my job is to help you learn the language of your body because it is talking to you every single moment of every day. Now I'm not suggesting that you <laughs> completely stop everything you're doing and just try to listen and observe your body uh, at every moment. But I am suggesting that, um, 
there is usually a reason for the way that you feel and the sensations that you have and the way that you move through the next hour, the next day, the next week, okay? And you likely, unless you've really sought it out, haven't spent much time learning how to tune into that. And so I think it's just easy for folks when they hear of intuitive eating to think that that craving, right, that that addiction to processed food is an intuitive voice speaking to them. And I'm arguing that is not your intuitive voice most of the time. Like, sure, there are times where we all might want want the chocolate, right? Insert whatever food. And and that's cool, right? Like I am not talking about what you do on occasion. I am talking about what you do most often. What you do most often is what's most important. And into every life, sure, like a sum of these foods that you might eat just for the sake of enjoyment makes sense, right? That's a part of the experience of, I think, being a human and a part of the experience of going to Italy, if you ever have the chance, for real. (laughs) I think when I was, (laughs) side note, I think when I was studying abroad in France in my early 20s, and I went to Italy for spring break with a couple of my friends, I think we had gelato four times in one day, okay? And, and that was a point in my life, by the way, where I had really started on my journey to like learning more about health and making healthier choices. But I was in Italy. And how often does that happen in, in anyone's given life if they're lucky? So yeah, I ate the gelato. You know what I mean? But that's not my everyday instinct and that's not my everyday behavior. And so the fact that I, in my early 20s, ate gelato four times in one day, that's like less than a blip on the radar of everything I've ever done to add to or take away from the nourishment of my body, okay? So that's my big issue with with intuitive eating as it is kind of in this social media world. It's that like we really haven't been taught to listen intuitively to our bodies and what they need and that the language is getting messed up because processed food gets in there and just junks up whatever messaging might be happening, okay? So one note I do want to make is that like the actual tenets of of truly intuitive eating, and I invite you to go to intuitiveeating.org if you're curious to see them, there's really nothing within there that is about, yeah, go ahead and just like eat all the processed food if that's what your body is asking for. It's actually a lot more grounded and about like, it, they have 10 tenets. It's about, you know, not getting sucked into good or bad and learning how to be satisfied and feel fullness and uh, to move your body for the joy of it and to honor your health, but be gentle about it. Um, and so that on its own, I, I don't feel as problematic, but I'll tell you when it does get problematic. I think I was handed a book on intuitive eating when I was in sixth grade. And so part of my personal story and the reason why you can tell I'm a little fired up about this, and if you follow me on social media, you've seen me get fired up, is because I am somebody who has lived nearly all of my life in a larger body. Is it the largest body? No. Is it the smallest body? No. But what I can tell you is the times where my family was living in more affluent communities that my body stuck out as well above average. 
And I remember being taken to the doctor towards the later years in elementary school and they would chart my BMI, which by the way, made up construct means absolutely nothing about your health, throw it out the window. Okay. And everyone being very concerned. And so at various points in my childhood, tests were run on me to try to see what was wrong. Now, if I had seen a holistic or a functional practitioner, I bet they would have seen a picture of what was going on. And I have theories about what was going on now, knowing what I know and kind of working to heal my body. But there was no obvious glaring reason, you know? And so at one point, I was put on a liquid diet and handed a book on intuitive eating. This is toxic diet culture. This is incredibly dangerous for anyone at any age, but most especially for young people that are in that in the later years in elementary school and in middle school. And it has to do with how the brain is developing then and where the brain is in development. And that's going to be a little bit different for each person, right? Based on when they will hit puberty and, and the trajectory of their development, what it looks like. But if you take nothing away from this, except that if you are a parent or you are an adult in a child's life, that you should not critique and criticize their body and their food choices, then I've done my job. Like I have done my job. I have paid it forward for my story uh, because that is absolutely not how you should ever, ever approach healthy habits with a child. And to some extent, you know, there is a part of me that faults certain people in that equation. And and also I have a lot of compassion that, you know, it's really hard to know better sometimes. And unless we know better, we can't do better. So now you know better and I'm going to hold you to doing better. Okay. So that's an invitation and a little intro on intuitive eating. Now, I'm more than happy to go into more of any of these concepts. So just leave me a comment over on my Instagram page or send me a DM. I am Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A underscore Faye, F-A-Y-E. You can find me there. But I want to transition into the next part of what I want to talk about, So, which is about eating with the seasons. And you might be thinking like, what is the connection here? And I'm going to give it to you. Okay. So here's the thing. Suppose that you do live in a world where you're able to tune into your body. And if nothing else, I just invite you to start noticing how your body feels with the different seasons and like the, the habits that you have in the different seasons. And so if we think really generally, um, and I'll think really generally and specifically in a way about, you know, the Colorado lifestyle, one of the reasons I live here is for this lifestyle. And I think in a lot of ways, it's, um, it can be a great example for many of us to follow, which is, when it is summertime, like we are out and about, we are loving life, Coloradans. Um, and hopefully wherever you are, you know, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, summertime is a warmer time of year and you have opportunity to be outside in the sunshine, to be active, to enjoy those longer days, to be breathing in fresh air, right? And so naturally that time of year, it's hotter outside, right? So when it's hotter outside, your body's going to tend to be warmer, right? And if you're out in the sun, 
are you going to want to eat heavy meals? Are you going to want to eat things that kind of weigh you down? And I don't mean that in a like make you fat or not, because I hope you can tell by now that that is not how I look at food. But what kinds of things might you reach for in those circumstances, right? And then on the opposite side, right? So we'll go to the opposite extreme, which is winter. And if you live in the Northern Hemisphere and you live anywhere above kind of very Southern areas, then you probably have some kind of major cool down in the winter. And at that time of year, we're probably not spending as much time outside. It's that cozy time of year, right? Get under the blanket, watch a movie, have a little bit of lazier days maybe. There are holidays uh, for some of us. So in that time of year, kind of makes sense. Your body might run a little bit colder. And so are you going to want to eat like really cold foods? Probably not. So you could see where I'm getting at that like starting to speak the language of your body doesn't have to be super complicated and you can use the seasons as some amount of guidance. So to dig in deeper to both of those examples and give you some ideas. So when it's hot out and your body is running hotter, it makes sense to reach for more cooling foods. And so when I think of cooling foods, I think of raw foods. I think of salads. I think of leafy things, right? Leafy greens. I think of fruit. Uh, it's berry season. Love it, right? I think of smoothies. Like that's the time of year to like live it up. And there are a whole bunch of benefits to eating raw foods, but also a whole bunch of benefits to eating cooked foods. And so this is where it's like if we follow some of this intuition and if we follow the seasons as a guide to start tuning into that, there's actually really great guidance that nature gives us. Because if you start to notice, even in the grocery store, often what's seasonal is what's on sale because they have an abundance of it. So you start to notice in the summer, like these things are on sale, right? These vegetables that can be consumed raw, a lot of these fruits, they're on sale and they're there for the taking, right? <laughs> and then likewise, if we think about winter, we want to warm up the body. So more stews, more uh, root vegetables, more maybe starches, right? Things like quinoa uh, or rice, things like that might be more of what you reach for. Lots of broths. And there's wisdom in that, right? So it's not just following the seasons. It's also what we can take away from more uh, ancient forms of medicine. So if we think about Chinese medicine, you know, in the winter, there would be a lot of broth, herby broths. Uh, and there are, we know now, compounds in a lot of different herbs and spices that help to boost the immune system that may help to fight off certain cold and flu and virus strains, right? So again, if we look to, well, what's in season? what's available, what's at the grocery store, and how does my body feel, we can start to use that as a guide along with the seasons to, spoiler alert, also be able to maintain a little bit more of a budget around food. If you shop with the seasons, you might actually find that you save some money uh, because you're buying probably what's on sale at the grocery store of course, depending where you shop and exactly where you live. 
So an invitation to start paying attention to that. Like I want to invite you to like literally look at, you know, what you get in the mail, that like grocery store sales sheet of like what's on sale this time of year. And I want you to start noticing what's on sale this time of year. Whenever you listen to this, whatever time of year it is, and then start thinking about, is it a time of year where I might be running a little bit colder or a little bit warmer? And that might be mirrored outside with the temperatures. And then think about how you might prepare the foods to complement that. And that is like such a wonderful place and such a nourishing place to start from when it comes to this discussion of intuitive eating and really a way that I think is healthy and positive to think about it, which is that food offers the opportunity to bring more nourishment to your body, to support its functions and its processes. And it also has the ability to detract from that. And so an opportunity to explore more of the things that are adding to physiological nourishment. And I do want to remind you again, there's no extremes here, right? There's no need for extremes. There is still space if you are making those kinds of choices more often than not. There's probably still space for some of the things that you just really love the taste of. But it really depends where you are in your journey and what's going on with you and your body. Because remember, again, there is no one diet, no one way of eating, no one way of nourishing that is equally as as right for your body as it is for mine and as right for the stage of life that your body is in. So an encouragement to start exploring and to maybe press a little bit beyond your comfort zones here and pick up something new, right? If you've never thought of this concept to include warming foods in the winter or cooling foods in the summer, give it a try, right? So with that, I want to thank you for tuning in today and invite you to share this episode with someone that you care about or someone you think might benefit from hearing more about this idea of intuitive and seasonal eating. You can find me online at my website, M-A-R-I-S-A-F-A-Y-E.com, marissafay.com, or on social media. I spend most of my time over on Instagram, marissa underscore fay, and I would love love to hear from you if there's something you want to learn more about and get my take on to learn if it's something I think will help you be honestly well. And with that, be well.